Sometimes the seven principles of Unitarian Universalism feel like a stone foundation upon which our faith is built. This is not what they were meant to be. And so it's important to understand the context and the intention when the seven principles were created. In the mid-1980s, the Unitarian Universalist Association, that is an organization of UU congregations in the United States and Canada, rewrote the association bylaws. The newly rewritten bylaws contained a statement of key principles broadly affirmed by North American UUs. The seven principles were intended to be a collective statement of congregations, not actually of individual UUs. Hence the wording, we, the member congregations of the UUA, covenant to affirm and promote these seven principles, small p. Their creation culminated a, a long process of engaging with congregations to figure out what are the key principles that many of us embrace. My sense has always been the principles in, that they came up with were highly valued by most American Unitarian Universalists in the mid-1980s. That's the context. Rather than serve as a stone foundation for our faith, they were seen as an organic statement that would evolve over time. In fact, the bylaws also included uh, every five year or so review process for those principles. It's also important to understand that this was a statement of American and Canadian Unitarian Universalists, not of our global faith. By and large, the seven principles never really caught on across our global, global UU faith, with the exception of the Philippines, which almost immediately added an eighth principle, there is God. It's also good to know, historically, that the Canadian Unitarians left the UUA 20 years ago. All this said, the seven principles really were a pretty good statement, and they were embraced by a lot of Unitarian Universalists in North America. I think maybe they were especially helpful in describing our faith to other people, which is not always an easy thing. And if we're honest, describing our faith to ourselves, which also isn't always easy. And so they took hold. For many people, they did become a sturdy stone foundation for this American UU faith. The seven principles, capital P. Well, several years ago, it occurred to Paula Cole Jones a lay leader who was at the time the director of racial and social justice in one of our UUA regions in the United States, it occurred to Paula Cole Jones that it is possible for a Unitarian Universalist to feel like they're living these seven principles without, in her words, thinking about or dealing much with racism or other oppressions at a systemic level. Well, for hundreds of years, Unitarian Universalists have been pretty adept in the United States at avoiding deep engagement with, with work against systemic racism. Racism has been like this big pale blob that we have mostly tried to ignore. This is how our denominational press in the early 1900s was the premier publisher of eugenics works. This is how, after 
leaning more into anti-racism work in the late 1960s, our denomination collectively stepped back from that and went back to mostly ignoring it. This is how the UUA largely ignored anti-racism work in their hiring practices until things blew up in 2017. Unfortunately, the truth is that the seven principles did not really change the narrative of persistent failure to engage deeply and consistently with anti-racism work. The big blob stubbornly persisted. Most American Unitarian Universalists who are to this day overwhelmingly white have the privilege to keep ignoring this blob because it is not trying to kill or maim us. So Paula Cole Jones concluded that we use need to make a clear, decisive commitment to work on this big blob in our midst. The fate of our faith may actually depend on it. As our nation becomes more thoroughly diverse and multicultural, our faith remaining largely a white ethnic faith that doesn't really lean consistently into the work of anti-racism, that's gonna be a recipe for decline. I've talked with Unitarian Universalists who say, well, we are a white ethnic faith. I remember one person I talked to a few years ago compared our faith to the Polish American Catholic church he grew up with, grew up in, in the Chicago area. He said, a Polish American church is best served by focusing on being the best Polish American church it can possibly be. So I said, how did that work for your church you grew up in? Well, the neighborhood changed and it closed. <laughs> well, exactly. There's no future in being a white ethnic church in a multicultural nation. Not only is it challenging for non-whites to check out UU congregations and join in if they don't do this work, but there's an increasing number of white people who also don't want to be part of a church that's not consistently and deeply committed to anti-racism. So Paula Cole Jones' brainstorm was that American UUs need to add an eighth principle that calls us specifically to do this hard work of dismantling racism and other oppressions, starting with ourselves and our congregations. She gained some allies. A grassroots effort began. Some Unitarian Universalist congregations and organizations, including in the state, have already adopted the eighth principle, and many are considering it. Listen to the wording of the eighth principle. We, the member congregations of the UUA, covenant to affirm and promote, that's the old language, journeying toward spiritual wholeness by working to build a diverse and multicultural beloved community by our actions that accountably dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions. Okay, it's a little bit wordy, but each word has meaning. These words were carefully put together with people of color, Unitarian Universalists in the lead, and I don't think we need to wordsmith it. At the same time, as with our current seven principles, it can be helpful to have a more succinct statement that helps us comprehend the essence of what a principle is saying. 
So Nico Van Ostrand on our staff has suggested this succinct version for us to consider along with the longer version. We must work for beloved community and against racism and oppression. I like that. And I would add to it, beginning with us and our church. So we must work for beloved community and against racism and oppression, beginning with ourselves and our church. White Bear UU Church has a group that's been working on this issue for a while. It's called the Facing Race Stirring Committee. The idea is to stir things up. And this group would like this church to adopt the eighth principle. Doing so will be a statement of our intent to prioritize dismantling racism and other oppressions in ourselves and in this church. As Nico talked about in that story, it is a starting point. It is not the answer, but it is a starting point, and we need a better starting point. This starting point says, no matter how painful, no matter how discouraging, we are going to keep doing this work together. We're not going to let that blob just sit there while we ignore it. So I want to say today that this is not an objective sermon about the eighth principle. I'm part of that facing race group, and I would like to see this church adopt that principle. I hope, in fact, that every UU congregation and organization adopts it. This feels essential to me, essential for the well-being and the longevity of our faith, and it feels like a moral imperative. So all of us on the facing race team hope that this congregation will consider adopting the eighth principle for our own work and advocating for it within the UUA. We hope that there'll be a vote at the June annual meeting of this congregation and that it will overwhelmingly pass. So cards on the table. In short, we need to do this work. If you're interested in learning more about the eighth principle, including a, a really good kind of summary of frequently asked questions, stop by the table in the social hall after the service. Well, I wanna talk for a moment about the vision that animates the eighth principle. It is the vision of beloved community. This vision was talked about a lot by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. In fact, I would say it is the vision for which he lived and died. Embracing the work that the Eighth Principle calls us to do feels to me like a way to keep working on the legacy and the dream of Dr. King. So beloved community, I've ran across a good definition from a staff person at the Madison Church a few years ago. Beloved community happens when people of diverse racial, ethnic, educational class gender, sexual orientation, backgrounds, and identities embody an interdependent relationship of love, mutual respect, and care. So all different people coming together to embody an interdependent relationship of love, of mutual respect, and care. Beloved community is a verb. It happens when we're able to do that when we're able to come together in these interdependent relationships of love, mutual respect, and care. 
Importantly, the person in Madison added this insight from Bell Hooks, that beloved community does not resolve the differences between us, it removes privilege. That's important for us to bear in mind. So what the eighth principle seeks to do is to articulate a shared commitment to doing this work, to cultivating relationships, mutual relationships of love, mutual respect, and care. Such relationships really can only happen if we take seriously this work of dismantling racism and other oppressions. Even though for those of us in the dominant culture, this is gonna mean letting go of some of our privilege. So I believe that doing this work will make our congregations and us more just. Will doing this work make our congregations more diverse? I don't know, we'll see. What I do know is not doing this work, well, we can see the result. We're not very diverse. So I believe we have to try to do this work. We have to depart from the default for hundreds of years of American Unitarian Universalism. It's, try, it's time to try, to try something different. So what if, what if White Bear UU Church and American Unitarian Universalism really did this work of dismantling racism and other oppressions in ourselves and in our institutions and churches? What could happen? I love Kai Miller's poem, Book of Genesis, and the way it recasts the Genesis story. Miller, who's a Jamaican poet, lifts up let as the key word in the grand opening of Genesis. Let there be light, and there was light. What if let, Miller's poem asks, what if that's not just a word about God's creativity, but it's an everyday word for us, too. What if we could, in the words of that poem, speak in auto rhyme, the world would echo itself, and still we'd continue in round saying let, and let, and let, until even silent dreams have been allowed. What if we say, let Dr. King's vision of beloved community be, and what if we really meant it? What would happen? What if it's not just God who creates the world, but each one of us that co-creates the world with God, if there is such a thing as God? What if we, doing this work together, sticking with it even when we make mistakes, what if we can help beloved community take hold in our hearts and in this congregation and in this little part of the world? What? would happen? What if it's true? Let there be beloved community and after hard work that silent dream and eventually the reality of beloved community takes hold at least a bit. The key word in all of this is let. The eighth principle is a way of saying let. Let the dream of beloved community come alive. And let it begin with us and with our church. May it be so.